Praise the Lord. Amen. So good to see all of you here this evening. Let's all stand. We want to call out on the name of the Lord. This is His service after all. We are here for His reasons, His purposes. Amen. Amen. And I'm looking forward to seeing what He has in store for us today. I do have some notes in front of me. That doesn't mean I necessarily know the entirety of what God wants to do here, particularly in your life. Amen. God is infinite. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Whatever it is you have need of tonight, He can take care of it. More importantly, perhaps He wants to take care of it. He wants to meet our needs. He wants to provide everything for us. Amen. Everything that we have need of. You don't need that million dollar mansion. <clears throat> no, you don't. So, sorry. But you do need shelter. You do need food. And God so graciously provides all of those needs for us. Amen. Let's purpose in our hearts as we call on the name of the Lord to be found of Him this evening. To find Him, to touch Him, to be touched by Him, to hear His voice. And let Him minister to you. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You're a mighty King. We heap glory and honor unto the Most High this evening. We enter into Your presence humbly, softly, and yet boldly and expectantly, receiving of You Your good things. Hallelujah, Jesus. We don't enter presumptuously. We don't enter arrogantly. But we do stand on the covenant promises You've given us. We are expecting awesome things of an awesome God this evening. For Your great namesake, I pray, minister wondrously and miraculously in this place this evening. Let Your name be magnified. Let Your presence, Your Spirit arise, and let Your enemies be scattered. Oh, hallelujah, help, help us this evening, Lord Jesus, to hear Your voice and to feel Your touch. I pray, Lord, above all else, Lord, that Your name would be glorified in our midst here today. Let the name of Jesus Christ be lifted up and magnified in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. We will receive of You all that You have in store for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Undergird Your people with strength. Minister unto them, encourage and strengthen them, I pray. Meet their needs, whatever they may be. Whether known or unknown to us, meet our needs tonight, I pray. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. And we give glory and honor unto the Most High God. And we worship and we praise our Creator this evening. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We delight ourselves in You this evening. You are such an awesome God, having provided all things for us, having taken care of every circumstance and situation we've ever faced or will face. Thank You, Jesus, for Your mercy and Your grace and Your long-suffering patience to usward. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are such an awesome God, and we delight ourselves in You tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. We serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God, folks. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of all our praise. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing tonight. You can be seated. We are going to talk about prayer this evening. I know that none of you have ever, ever heard a message on prayer in your lives. So I thought tonight might be a good time to introduce you to the topic. <laughs> Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 20 is where we'll get our scripture text tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. The topic of prayer, of course, is a common one. We hear it frequently, and rightly so. It's a very important office. It's a very powerful office. And if we are going to be effectual in the kingdom of God, we've got to become proficient in it. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 17, states this, Therefore, 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Amen. I've entitled this uh, particular message, In His Name. In His Name. I believe, I've stated publicly, privately, I still believe it, that when we cry out to God in prayer, that He hears and He answers. Amen. I also believe, however, we should be seeing a whole lot more answered prayer than we do. I am not satisfied with the current level of my answered prayers. There are reasons for that, and I'll get into that. Uh, I will say, though, first and foremost, uh, it's not God's fault. Amen. Maybe as an aside, um, I've stated this before, I'll say it again. It's not wrong to have questions. It's not wrong to... Uh, read something and not fully understand it and, and want to dig into it a little more. To seek understanding from the Lord. Seek understanding and counsel from wise elders who you trust to impart to you godly wisdom. Prayer. Letting God speak to you concerning particular scriptures and situations that you faced. Amen. So these questions. I always have questions. I try to have at least two or three tucked away at any given time. Because I love questions. More so, I love finding the answers to questions. Amen. But we've got to be careful when we're questioning, when we have questions, when we're seeking answers to these situations or questions that we may have. We've got to be careful in that we do not start to uh, impose our own preconceived ideas upon the Word of God or upon the will of God. We've got to understand that sometimes God does things that are above us. Sometimes God's uh, His thoughts are way above our thoughts. And His ways are above our ways. And as frustrating as it has been for me to come to this understanding, I have to come to the understanding, I have to realize that there are some questions that I'm always going to have this side of glory. Some things are just never going to be answered uh, in a manner that's satisfactory to me. And that's okay. That's just fine. If God withholds something from me, there's got to be a good reason for it. Amen. If I don't have the whole picture, I don't need the whole picture. I know the one that does. And that's sufficient for me. Now, having said all of that, I am dissatisfied with the overall level of answered prayer I see in my life. And the reason for that, one reason for that is I read about accounts from other people's lives who seem to have a whole lot more success at it than I do. However you want to define success. Maybe that's a topic for another time. I define it as got an answer. Who here has not heard of a man by the name of George Mueller? Has not heard. Okay. Well, if you haven't, George Mueller, his name typically comes up when we talk about prayer, answered prayer. Uh, He has a lot of answered prayer in his ministry. A lot of very specific, miraculous answers to prayer. Amen. I found his narratives online. I read through most of it. Uh, it's very encouraging to me. The, how God answers prayer. And you know, sometimes we can, we can put limits on God. We can put Him in a box. We want Him to answer a specific way. 
We're looking for a specific answer, and sometimes that's okay. We'll talk about that as well tonight. But sometimes, uh, we'd probably be better off just letting God loose in a situation and letting Him do what He wants to do there. Amen. I've taken some excerpts from this, uh, this account that he wrote. I could have taken any number of them, uh, but we'll just go through a couple. He says this, and I quote, The joy which answers to prayer give cannot be described. And the impetus which they afford to the spiritual life is exceeding great. The experience of this happiness I desire for all my Christian readers. If you believe indeed in the Lord Jesus for the salvation of your soul, if you walk uprightly and do not regard iniquity in your heart, if you continue to wait patiently and believingly upon God, then answers will surely be given to your prayers. You may not be called upon to serve the Lord in the way the writer does, and therefore may never have answers to prayer respecting such things as are recorded here. But in your various circumstances, your family, your business, your profession, your church position, your labor for the Lord, etc., you may have answers as distinct as any here recorded. That's absolutely true. My purpose this evening is to demonstrate to us that when we pray effectually, when we pray according to the will of God, we should see an answer to prayer. We should receive every single petition that we request of God. That's about what I expected to receive right there. Let's continue. September 30, 1869, from Yorkshire. Received also 1,000 pounds today for the Lord's work in China. About this donation, it is especially to be noticed that for months, it had been my earnest desire to do more than ever for mission work in China. And I had already taken steps to carry out this desire when this donation of 1,000 pounds came to hand. This precious answer to prayer for means should be a particular encouragement to all who are engaged in the Lord's work and who may need means for it. It proves afresh that if our work is His work, if our work is His work and we honor Him by waiting upon and looking to Him for means, He will surely, in His own time and way, supply them. There are numerous accounts and this is perhaps what he is most famous for, of receiving provision for the orphans that he was uh, in charge of taking care of. He would receive his daily provision, sometimes day by day. Sometimes they would sit down at the breakfast table with no food, no money, and just pray. And they'd receive a knock at the door, and someone would have food because they just felt like they needed something right now. And he says this, he says two things about that, about all of these different situations. One, should anyone suppose on account of it having been stated in the previous pages, all of these accounts of, of answered prayer, that we were repeatedly brought low as to means, that the orphans have not had all that was needful for them, we reply that never since the work has been in existence has there a mealtime come, but the orphans have had good nourishing food in sufficient quantity? And never have they needed clothes, but I have had the means to provide them with all they required. Two, never since the orphan work had been in existence have I asked one single human being for any help for this work. And yet, unasked for, simply an answer to prayer. From so many parts of the world, as has been stated, the donations have come in and that very frequently at a time of the greatest need. I am not proposing that we all sit at home and pray for our daily food. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when we are after the Lord's work, when we are after the Lord's will, we ought to be expecting an answer to the prayers and the petitions that we make of Him. I'll read one more. Sicknesses at times visited the houses. During the summer and autumn of 1866, we had also the measles at all the three orphan houses. Now remember, folks, this is 1866. 
After they had made their appearance, our especial prayer was one that there might not be too many children ill at one time in the disease, so that our accommodation in the infirmary rooms or otherwise might be sufficient. This prayer was answered to the full, for though we had at the new orphan house, number one, not less than 83 cases, in number two, altogether three, and in number three, altogether 68. Yet God so graciously was pleased to listen to our supplications as that when our spare rooms were filled with the invalids, he so long stayed the spreading of the measles till a sufficient number were restored so as to make room for others who were taken ill. Two, further we prayed that the children who were taken ill in the measles might be safely brought through and not die. Thus it was. We had the full answer to our prayers. For though 262 children altogether had the measles, not one of them died. Three, lastly we prayed that no evil physical consequences might follow this disease, as is so often the case. This was also granted. All the 262 children not only recovered, but did well afterwards. I gratefully record this signal mercy and blessing of God, and this full and precious answer to prayer to the honor of His name. Amen. So, as I've been stating, when we ask a specific petition or request of God, we should expect a specific answer of God. We should. I'll say amen. When considering the office of prayer, we must first turn invariably to Scripture. And when we start looking seriously at the Scriptures, we must arrive at two conclusions. And I say this boldly, church. I do. One, we're supposed to pray. Nobody here doubts that. We are supposed to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Matthew 6.7 says, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, etc., etc. The point being, when ye pray, not if ye pray. The Lord is expecting us to pray. Romans 12.12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Luke 18.1 says, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Luke 21.36 says, Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. So we are supposed to pray. And again, I don't think anyone here has any problem with that. The second thing we need to realize when we look at Scripture, not our preconceived ideas, not our experiences in prayer, but Scripture, that we are supposed to get what we pray for. Now, I'm not saying we always get what we pray for. I'm saying we're supposed to. We'll address the other in a moment. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, this is Jesus speaking, by the way, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Very inclusive. Matthew 21:22 says, "And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive." Right about now, there ought to be some questions in some people's minds. This would be about the time where it would pop into my head. What question is that? Hey, my brother, that's the exact question that would come into my mind. Then why don't we see it all the time? I've asked for things. You've asked for things. Didn't happen. So, what up, G? What's going on here? Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray... Believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. 
So according to these verses, folks, unless I'm way off base here, we receive the object of our petition immediately upon asking for it. By faith. Now again, sometimes the physical takes a long time to catch up. To manifest spiritual realities. But in faith, we receive these immediately upon asking. John 14, 13 through 14 says this Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's been all your experience, right? Well, it hasn't been mine. And I've got to ask the question, why? Why? It's not God's problem. Not Scripture's problem. Well, let's move on. John 16, 23-24. In that day... Ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. That's what George Mueller talked about. The joy of receiving prayer, answers to prayer. That particular joy in receiving the answer to the petition that you requested. 1 John 5 and 14 says, This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And John 15 and 7 says, If ye abide in Me, and My words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, the more discerning out there, perhaps noticed, there are a couple qualifiers in these promises, isn't there? Absolutely. That's why I can't pray for my million-dollar mansion, which isn't as big as it used to be 20 years ago. My million-dollar mansion is shrinking every year. That's why I can't necessarily expect a positive answer to that request. Why? I'm not 100% convinced that's the will of God. I just... Really close. 98% maybe the will of God. No, not even close to that. It's not the will of God, folks. So I don't have a promise. Why don't we, why don't we receive answers to prayer? Well, let's go through that. Let's spend a good chunk of time on that. First, Our negative view of God needs to change if we're going to be successful in the office of prayer. When I first came to the Lord, and when most people first come to the Lord, their idea of God is based on dear old Dad. Who has had a perfect father? Who is a perfect father? Amen. A lot of honest people out there. That's good. Yeah. My dad could have done a few things better, but so could I. So could every dad. So when I base my idea of God on what I know, what I've experienced, I'm going to have some difficulties there. In my particular case, he wasn't around a whole lot. Not his choice. He worked on the railroad, like Brother Shepherd does. He was gone a lot, three, four days at a time. Come home at two in the morning, get a few hours of sleep, whatever they allowed him, and then they'd call him back in. He hated it. In fact, he hated it so much, he told me, he, he, he sat me and my brother down one night, and he said, Boys, I'll support you in anything you want to do. But if you ever decide to work for the railroad, I'll disown you. 
That's exactly what he told me. I never, I never applied to the railroad. I don't want to be disowned. But it wasn't, it wasn't his fault, but he wasn't there. He just, he wasn't there. When he was there, he was dead tired, grumpy, crabby. We lived on a hobby farm, so on a day off, he got to fix stuff, clean stuff. Everything you do on a farm. And the boys, they were various levels of help, but (laughs) they were boys. So he got frustrated with that a lot. I get it now. I couldn't understand it then. So when I started trying to develop a relationship with God, automatically, without me even knowing, thinking about it, that, that was my idea of God. He's going to get frustrated with me. I make one mistake. He's going to, he's going to scold and yell and, and get frustrated with me and, and punish me. That was my idea of God for a very long time. <clears throat> now, don't get me wrong. God doesn't approve of sin. He hates sin. He hates the effects of it. He died that it could be eliminated. Okay? He doesn't want us to live in sin. He wants us free from sin. But, that's not the God I serve. The God that I serve is like the prodigal son's father. That's the God I serve. God will judge me one day. He will be my judge. And a righteous judge He is. But today He is my advocate. Today He is my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He loves me. He loves you. He wants a relationship with us. He wants the very best for us. And so when we come to Him in prayer, you know, we pray for a lot of things. Prayer is, and we've said this many times, prayer is more than just bringing our laundry list before the Lord. Prayer is where we develop a relationship with our God. Prayer is where we enter into the presence of God and when we bask in His presence and when we spend time in His presence, we're conformed to His image. Prayer is all kinds of things, but it is also bringing our petitions and our requests before Him. He wants us to do that, no matter how small or insignificant it may seem. He wants us to do that. He wants to provide our needs for us. Amen. So our idea of God... If it's anything other than based in Scripture, if it's based in anything other than Scripture, it's wrong. It's simply wrong. Our idea of God, our understanding of who God is, needs to be based in Scripture. Period. And this is getting back to what we started off with. When I start asking questions and when I start digging deeper, trying to find answers, I need to base my answers in Scripture. I need to allow Scripture to tell me what is truth. If I ever get to the place where I'm telling Scripture what's true, I'm not too far away from being completely gone. Our view of God must, like all things, be formed from what we find in Scripture. Amen. James 1 and 5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I know this verse speaks specifically about requesting wisdom of God. But I don't think I'll do it any injustice to extend this out to any prayer request that we have of God. He gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. When we approach the Lord with our petitions or our requests, He's not a grumpy, angry God who's going to be frustrated with us. He's excited to see us come. He wants us to enter into His presence. He wants us to bring these requests to Him. And the Bible promises that when we do, He will give liberally And He will not upbraid us. He will not chastise us. 
need to understand that of God. Because if we don't, folks, you're just not going to approach Him very often until it gets so painful and the need's so great that you don't have anywhere else to turn. God wants us to approach Him in that situation, but also every other situation. So we need to pray in His name. We know that. The name of Jesus, right? In Jesus' name. Quite sure we've talked about this before, but we'll mention it again. The name of Jesus isn't a, it's not a magic phrase. Okay, it's not an abracadabra, hocus pocus, in Jesus' name. That's not what that is. It's something else entirely. The name of Jesus is powerful. And when you pronounce the name of Jesus, that has great effects, spiritual and physical. But that's not what these verses are talking about when it says, when you pray in my name. To understand this more completely, let's talk about the office of the ambassador. Cambridge Dictionary says this, an important official who works in a foreign country representing his or her own country there and who is officially accepted in this position by that country. I like that definition. Works in a foreign country representing his or her own country. Isn't that exactly what we are? We are strangers and sojourners in this world. Citizens of another country, another kingdom. We represent that kingdom in this world as Christ's ambassadors. A book known, <laughs> it's called A Biblical and Theological Dictionary. Interesting title. But it says this of the office of ambassador. A messenger sent by a sovereign to transact affairs of great moment. Ministers of the gospel are called ambassadors because... In the name of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, they declare His will to men and propose the terms of their reconciliation to God. As an ambassador, we've got to understand one primary thing. We don't operate on our own. We have no authority in and of ourselves. We represent the One who does. We represent His will. We represent his edicts. We represent His kingdom. Not mine. So if at any time I'm doing something, saying something, thinking something that is contrary to His will, I have stepped outside of my office. I'm wrong. And the reason, folks, that we don't see as many prayers answered as I think we ought to, at least in my case, I love getting answers. Sometimes I don't like the answer given, though, because it really hurts. I've got to realize that some of my prayers are prayed of my own lusts because I want that. I want to see that. I want to experience that. It might be God's will, but it might not be. I've never bothered to figure it out. I've never bothered to find out from God if it's His will or not. I just, it seems like it probably would be God's will. Good enough. So far away from not being good enough. If I'm an ambassador, if you're an ambassador, I have got to discern the will of God. Always. I cannot operate anything else except the will of God. And I want to spend just a moment on this to drive that point home. The will of God is paramount. It's absolutely crucial to our experience as Christians, to our ministries as people of God. If we are at any time outside the will of God, generally or specifically, 
We've stepped outside of our office. We've stepped outside of our realm of authority. We're on our own now. If I may be so bold, that puts us in a state of rebellion. I don't get to operate on my own. I must, I must operate in accordance with the wishes and will of Him who sent me. The one whom I represent. I don't represent myself. You don't represent yourselves. We represent Jesus Christ. When we're representing someone, how do you think they wish to be represented? If someone were representing you, how would you want to be represented? How do we represent Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, I'll repeat it, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. God is in effect making His appeal to the lost through us. Through us. So if we represent Christ, how do we know if we're doing it right? How do we know if we're representing Him effectually? Accurately? I've never sat down with Jesus. He's never told me specifically job description for ambassadorship how I am to operate in this office. Not like that anyway. We see it in Scripture. How are we supposed to represent Christ? Well, how did Jesus represent Himself when He was on earth? What did He do? How did He act? What did He say? I love beating dead horses. So that's what I'm going to do here for a little bit. Matthew 4, 23-25 says this, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Period. End of story. That was it. That's all He did. Just preached. Just preached. That's all we do. The Gospel is more than just someone getting behind a pulpit and preaching the Word of God. It's so much more than that. And to a large extent, we've lost it. We've lost it here in the United States. If I'm reading Scripture correctly, we've lost something. Healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. And His fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto Him all all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, those which were possessed with devils, those which were lunatic, Those that had the palsy, and He healed them. And there followed Him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. I'll bet there were. I'll bet there were great crowds following this Jesus of Nazareth. After He did that, later on, He told His disciples to go do the same. Matthew 10, 7, 8 says, As ye go, preach. He sent them. He commissioned them to go. To do what? To preach. Saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And heal the sick. 
and cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead, and cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Stomp all over the enemy. That's what I'm reading. Everything the enemy has done, destroy it. Reverse it. Null it. Void it. Amen. Matthew 28, 18-20. I know we don't like this in UPC, but I think it's a great oneness verse. Absolutely. I love this verse. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, which is Jesus. And of the Son, His name is Jesus. The Holy Ghost's name is Jesus. Amen. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So now, He's telling us. Actually, He's telling His disciples. What I did, I wanted you to do. And now I want you to pass that on to others so that they can do it. And on and on and on. The original pattern was Jesus Christ. He's the original. He's the one we need to go back to. If we need a pattern, that's it. That's the complete gospel. The complete package. All of it. Matthew 18.16 says this, But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. That's a principle we find all through Scripture, Old and New Testament. Two or three witnesses for a fact to be established. Amen. I bring that up because of Mark 16.19-20. says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Confirming what word? Whose word was being confirmed here? Not ours. The word of God. God will confirm His word when spoken by us. God will confirm His will when enacted by us. When preached and taught by us as his representatives, as his ambassadors, we should expect the miraculous on a regular basis because we represent a miracle working God. If we are partnered with him, if he with us, then the words that we speak, God's word, ought to be confirmed by God out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every fact be established. We're one witness. The Lord God is the second witness. The fact is established. But if that second witness isn't present, folks, it's not established. When we pray in His name, in His stead, 2 Corinthians 15.20, we beseech you in Christ's stead or in Christ's name. In His name, when we pray in His name, that means that we are, we are representing His, His office here on earth. We are representing Jesus Christ. We are not Jesus Christ, but we represent His interests. We represent His will, His kingdom here on earth. We are commissioned to do so. When we preach the gospel, we should expect God to confirm His word with signs following. Expect us to confirm His word. Expect Him to confirm His word. We have no promise that He'll confirm ours. None whatsoever. When we pray, we need to pray according to His will. And if we are operating in the office of the ambassador, 
If we are walking in His will, if we understand the will of God, and we're moving that forward, then folks, we ought to expect answers to every single one of our prayers because we're praying according to His will. We're praying in His stead, in His name. Amen. Since I made such a big deal about it, I am going to say this. That in and of itself doesn't always mean that we are going to receive a healing. I'm still working that out, folks. Don't worry. I'm going to get that one day. Maybe in heaven. But I also realize that there are a lot of good reasons Jesus may choose not to heal someone or delay healing. I've said before, if I, if I ever came ill, I don't like pain. I don't like it any more than anybody else does. But if I'm called to endure pain, if I'm called to endure sickness or disease, His grace is sufficient. I don't need a healing. I want a healing. I think everybody who's sick wants a healing. But I wouldn't need it. I need Jesus. I need a relationship with Him. With Him. But that doesn't preclude the fact that that is part of the gospel message. Healing, deliverance, raising from the dead, casting out demons. Those are all part of the gospel. That's all part of the the pattern that He laid out for us in the very beginning. Amen. Amen and amen. In conclusion, don't get too excited about that. It's... uh, may have a little bit yet. Psalm 106, 13-15 states this, They soon forget His works. They waited not for His counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. When we pray outside of the will of God, He may answer the request. He might. But folks, you may not like the result of that. God gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. God will only confirm His Word. God will only advance His will. He will only advance His kingdom. Not mine. Not yours. He is the King of kings. The Lord of lords. He's the God of all creation. It's His. It's His because He created it out of nothing. He gets to do whatever He wants to do. His character is perfect. His judgments are just and righteous altogether. Whatever He does is perfect. Whatever He allows in our lives is perfect. If we are to see God answering every prayer, if we are to see God's miraculous confirmation in our ministries and in our lives, we must operate in His stead or in His name. We have got to know and learn how to discern the will of God. We've got to learn how to do that. We've got to be comfortable operating in the will of God. When He expresses His will to us, when He gives a command unto us, we've got to be comfortable stepping out in faith. Amen. We've got to be obedient to the commands of our King. And the reason for this message, folks, the day is coming when we're going to need God's miraculous protection, provision, wisdom, guidance, etc., If I may speak freely, we just don't need it right now. Why would you say that? Because we don't have it right now. Not like I read in the book. 
Not like I hear about all these missionaries coming over. Blah, 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 blah. Brother Thacker, when he first came into River Falls, he was a missionary in uh, uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe. Africa. African continent. He would tell us all kinds of stories about the witch doctors there. Folks, the enemy has real power. These witch doctors, according to him, I never saw it, but I believed him, they would literally call lightning down from heaven at their command. Lightning would fall from heaven. This is real, folks. The spiritual realm is real. This war is real. And it's coming here, whether we're ready or not. And again, while we have time, while the season is still green, folks, let's get comfortable discerning the mind of Christ. Let's get comfortable spending a significant amount of our time in prayer. Do you realize how much time Mr. Mueller spent in prayer? He's touted. He's, he's almost worshipped in some circles because of all of the answered prayer. Monuments are built to him. Books are written about him. People will do everything except emulate him. He spent hours upon hours in prayer for every little thing. That's a lot of work, though. I could just get a second job. Pay for it myself. I have nothing against work. Overall, I rather enjoy work. My point is this. There's a day coming. For a lot of our brothers and sisters, it's been here. But before the end comes, it's got, it's got to come here. I don't know if it's going to come tomorrow, 50 years, 100 years from now. I have no clue. But I can read the signs of the times, folks. It's soon. And when it comes, we're not going to have time to decide at that point. We're not going to have time to ramp up and gear up and get ready. We've got to be ready. Because when it comes, it's going to come like a whirlwind. It's going to blindside people. And people are going to get offended, and they're going to start questioning, Whoa, what? But I'm a Christian. Doesn't Jesus love me anymore? Yeah, Jesus loves you. But have you read the book? I know we've been exempt in the United States for a very long time. It's been easy street here. It's been easy to live for Jesus Christ here. For a lot of our history, it's, it's been hard not to. You almost have to be a Christian in, in large portions of our history to get anything done. That's starting to shift now. Folks, it's about to get real. It's about to get serious. We should have been serious along. Some of you are. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm talking in general. I'm talking about the church in general. We need to get serious. As a church, as the church universal, we've got to get serious. This is, this is eternal consequences we're talking about. I'm not talking about missing a promotion at work. I'm not talking about having a hundred bucks taken out of my paycheck. I'm talking about someone's soul. I'm talking about your and my soul. The kingdom of God, folks. There are offices that we have barely begun to touch. There are realms in God we have only heard about. God wants us to experience them. God wants us walking in the middle of those things. This is so much more than Sunday morning and Wednesday evening. 
It's a whole lot more than that, folks. It's a whole lot more than feeling the presence of God. Love all of it. I want everybody to come to every service every time the door is open. I want everyone to be here. I'm going to be here. But it's a whole lot more than just that. This relationship with God, this this ambassadorship that He has commissioned us into. We need to take that seriously. We need to properly represent our God in this world. We've got to represent Him well. He's so worth it. He's so worthy of it. That we represent Him well. We represent Him correctly and properly. We've got to know what He wants us to do. We've got to know what direction He wants to take us. We've got to know how He wants to do things, when He wants to do them. That's not up to us. In a way, that makes it real easy. I can follow directions all day long. That's easy. Simple. Maybe not always easy. Because bless God, I got good ideas too, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that, that's where the that's where things start to unravel. <clears throat> in the church in the United States today, we've learned to keep the machinery running long after the oil is run dry. My statement here today is: we need the oil back. We need the oil back. We need the anointing. We need the unction of the Holy Ghost. We need a relationship with God. We need Him to walk with us. We need to walk with Him. And He needs to confirm His Word through us with signs following. Regularly. Not that once in a while and we celebrate it. Remember what happened that one service last year? Oh, that was awesome. I hate that. I love that it happened, but I hate that it, it was a year ago. Whenever it was. We need a fresh anointing. We need manna every day. Amen. And in God we can. We can experience Him afresh anew every single day. He makes all things new, church. When His unction goes forth, who knows what's going to happen except that it's going to be awesome. It's going to be miraculous. And it's going to blow our minds. Amen. Praise God for what He is about to do in our midst. Let's all stand. Now, despite all of that, I want to leave on a positive note. And that positive note is this. When we do step into our ambassadorship, I said when, when we step into our ambassadorship fully and completely, when we sell ourselves out to this thing, folks, there's nothing God cannot do through you. The question is, the only question that needs to be answered is, when do you want that to happen? It's up to you. It's up to you. When do you want that to happen in your life? If it hasn't already happened. I know there's some here. It hasn't happened yet. When do you want it to happen? Do you want it to happen? 